Thank you for listening to this podcast brought to you by Baylife Church Port Stevens. We hope you find this message challenges and inspires you in your daily Christian walk. For more information, visit www.baylifechurch.org.au. begin. Last couple of weeks, we've been doing the wall series. So there they are. We've already looked at bitterness, worry, and last week was um, approval addiction, which was wonderful, wasn't it? That was great, Beck, what you um, shared there, that how it stirred you up. It's great that you, we listen to the word. Don't just come on Sundays and listen to the word and go, ah, that was a good message. Walk out the door and never think about it again. It's easy to do that. It's really easy to do that. But let's be honest with ourselves and let it go deep down into where God wants it to go. So today, I have the job of speaking about addictions. And I believe without a doubt that this is a wall that will keep you far from the abundance in God that we crave for. So we've been looking at walls and we've talked about walls being unhealthy mindsets that keep us from the life that God wants for each and every one of us. Okay, just an interesting way of looking at it. It's a mindset, an invisible thing that keeps you from God's best. So we're going to have a look at a bit of theory, a bit of introduction to addictions, and then we're going to have a look at how we can master them in our lives. So let's look at what an addiction actually is. It's any thinking or behavior that is habitual, repetitious, and difficult or impossible to control. Usually the addiction brings short-term pleasure, but there can be lots of long-term consequences in one's health or welfare. In other words, we could say it's something that brings short-term gain, but often long-term pain with it. Addictions tend to be progressive. They're conditions that slowly exert more and more control over the individual, both in body and in mind. So what's the Bible say about addiction? A lot, actually. And here's just a few principles that um, I think can be applied to this issue. Here's just a couple I'm going to read to you. I have the right to do anything, you say, but not everything is beneficial. I have the right to do anything, but I will not be mastered by anything, says the Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians 6.12. He says it again in Romans 13.5. He says, Therefore, it is necessary necessary to submit to the authorities, not only because of possible punishment, but as a matter of conscience. We as Christians have to obey the law. We actually have to obey the laws of the country. Cast your cares on the Lord and he will sustain you. He will never let the righteous be shaken, Psalm 55, 22 says. Do you know that stress is one of the major causes of addictions? So we should be learning to cast our cares upon the Lord. Do you know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you receive from God? You are not your own. You were bought at a price. Therefore, honour God with your bodies. Paul again in 1 Corinthians 6.19. Common sense tells us, and the word of God tells us, we need to look after our bodies and not abuse them. Speaking of the grace of God, it teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright and godly lives in this present age. We find that one in Titus 2.12. And the last one I'll mention today is do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit, Ephesians 5, 18. So the Bible's got lots to say, lots and lots to say about addictions. 
Okay, there's a few broad groups of addictions. And look, I would be silly to even think for one moment in 30 minutes I could teach you much about all of them. So all this is is a bit of a brief overview. So let's have a look at a couple of the categories. We've got substance abuse, things like alcohol and drugs. Drugs can be illegal drugs like heroin. We know all about heroin, ice, marijuana, all the ones that are illegal. But they can be legal drugs too like painkillers, sleeping pills, things that you can just get over the counter. Second one, categorised by eating disorders, where food has some kind of control over, over our body, whether it be anorexia, where we starve the body, or bulimia, where we eat food and then purge it back up again, or obesity, where we just can't control our eating. And the third one is an interesting one too, behaviour addictions. These things include things like gambling, sex, pornography, stealing, overspending, workaholic, exercise obsessions, and more recently I think video gaming, internet, reality TV obsessions, things where you can escape into. And I think you'd agree with me that not all of these categories are equally harmless. Say a heroin addict maybe might not have the same damage that someone who has a problem with, I don't know, reality TV or video gaming. But it doesn't matter. Any behaviour that is compulsive, and beyond the individual's ability to control can be harmful. And it's a wall. And you kid yourself if you think it's not. Okay? It is. Because what it's doing is building up that unhealthy mindset that is keeping you from God's best. Okay? Let's have a look at some of the influences that addictions might come from. These can include things like family background, how you were raised, your parents' influence, Past experiences, usually those that were negative or traumatic. Personality types, some people just have an addictive personality. Present stresses, individual needs. Physical makeup and the perceived rewards that comes from that addictive behaviour. But the bottom line is this. Unless we feel good about ourselves, we will eventually develop some kind of uncontrolled behaviour to give us good feelings. So true. Addictions affect people in different ways. Depends on the individual, the circumstances, the behaviour, the substance, whatever it is that's got a hold on you. But they can affect both the victim and they can affect the family that's involved in many ways. Things like behavioural change usually involves aggression, broken and abused bodies, destroyed relationships in between family members, ruined careers, brains that are dulled, spiritual emptiness, financial problems, deep feelings of grief and guilt that can lead to depression and self-harm. So, as I said, we can't look at all of these. I think every category, it would be almost great to have a message on each one, but we don't have time to do that. So, let's have a look at how we could master these additions, additions, addictions. Okay, you might be thinking there today, look, I'm fine, I don't have any, and that's praise God. I pray that is the case. But you may know someone in your family or a close friend that is struggling, and I hope to give you a few keys that might help yourself or somebody else. So the first thing we need to do is turn to God. Okay, we have to realise that the fruit of our lives, our behaviour, comes from somewhere, and it's important to look at the roots of our lives. And if they're unpleasant if they're harmful or they've been abusive, I've got great news for you today, that you can be uprooted from that bad soil of your past 
and you can be transplanted into the good soil of Jesus Christ. Okay? Paul encourages us in Ephesians 3.17, and this is the scripture I really want you to grab in your heart today. And he says this, And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and how long, how high and deep is the love of Christ. If you get nothing more today, take that verse home with you today, okay? So up here, can we have the next picture? I love Joyce Meyer. Hands up if you love Joyce Meyer. Hands up if you hate Joyce Meyer. Ah, yes, I knew there's always one. That's okay. You've got to love her. She's, I, just, I just love her very basic, practical teaching. And I've always loved this tree that she has. This is out of a book called Beauty for Ashes. But what it does is does a great job in helping us understand a little bit about the roots in our life. So we're going to have a look. This is the, tr- the tree with the bad roots, okay? This can represent your life. And de- deep down under the surface where we don't see, deep down in our heart, we've got roots. And they may have come from a life where there was abuse of some kind, shame, rejection, guilt, parents weren't that great. All that stuff wasn't that wonderful growing up. What happens is you begin to think, well, the real me isn't very acceptable and I can't be the real me. There's something wrong with me, which can then cause inner turmoil and confusion. And out of that becomes all this fruit in your life. See these things like negativism, depression, low self-esteem, anger, hostility, controlling, judgmental, chip on the shoulder, self-pity, all that stuff. Because what happens is you don't feel good about yourself. So you look for something else to make you feel better. You'll grab at anything that will make you feel better. And unfortunately, it may be sex, food, money, power, drugs, alcohol, activity, whatever it is. If it makes me feel good, well, I'll just do it. Okay? So the feelings are coming from the wrong place inside. If the thoughts and feelings are coming from within and not good, then the good feelings will often only come from those exterior addictions. Whatever you believe about yourself on the inside is what you will manifest on the outside. Okay, so that's the bad tree. Next one, let's have a look. And this is when we are rooted and grounded in Christ's love, just like in that Ephesian scripture. So when deep down in your heart you feel loved, and accepted and valued for who you are. You feel a little bit special and unique rather than being a bad person. Then that leads to you feeling okay about yourself and your life can be a little bit more relaxed and the good feelings come from living a life of self-control and allowing the Holy Spirit to lead and guide you. And then the fruits of this life become the fruits of the Spirit that we find in Galatians. Self-control, meekness, faithfulness, goodness, kindness, patience, peace, joy and love. They're not stuffed. Our emotions are not stuffed down inside here. Okay, now look, none of us have had perfect lives. I totally understand that. But I hope to just give you a picture of maybe why some people will just be always reaching for something else to make them feel good on the inside. Okay, so when we realise that our addiction or our behaviour is coming from these unhealthy roots, then we can begin to challenge these beliefs and begin the process of healing because that's what it takes. It takes a a healed heart to become whole 
to be able to live a life that is um, godly and fruitful. And only God can love perfectly and without fault. We as humans will always make mistakes and are imperfect in ourselves. Therefore, we can't love him. We can't love perfectly. We can often only love conditionally. And I know as a parent, you do your very, very, very best. But we're so imperfect. We so make mistakes. But God's perfect love for us is not based on our perfection. It's based on anything except him. And I love these scriptures in 1 John 4. Just let me listen, read this to you and listen to this, what God says about God's love. God is love. And so we know and rely on the love God has for us. Whoever lives in love lives in God and God in them. This is how love is made complete amongst us so that we will have confidence on the day of judgment. In this world, we are like Jesus. There is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. We love because he first loved us. Okay, he loved us long before we even knew him. When our lives are rooted in the unconditional love of Christ, then we can have healthy relationships. That's what life's about, healthy, strong relationships. Once you believe that you are accepted and loved by God, you then begin to love and accept yourself. Then you will not only love God in return, but you'll be able to start loving other people as well. So once you recognize that you have some unhealthy roots and you need some healing, the Holy Spirit can come alongside you. He will lead you and guide you gently into truth. But the process begins with conviction from the Holy Spirit. I said conviction, not condemnation. Condemnation does not come from the Spirit of God. It comes from the enemy. Healing can come through the Word of God, through the Scriptures, and through the power of the Holy Spirit to change. Okay? And we're all on a journey. We're all on a journey towards becoming whole. So I think it's really important that it's the right timing to address the issues in your life. There's two types of emotional pain involved in this process. The first is the pain that you have when you stay in that place, in that horrible place you know you shouldn't be and it's got hold of you and it's really painful. But the second is the pain of having to change. Okay? There's that tension of pain. I hate where I am and I hate that it's going to be painful to change because I'm actually going to have to dig down deep and look at some stuff in my life. But the choice is yours. And if you decide that the time is now to address some of that pain and addiction, you can be comforted by the promise of Jesus who says in Hebrews 13.5, never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. So he's going to be with you all through the process. So if you're ready and it's time to get free and overcome some of this addictive behavior you might find yourself trapped in, there's a bit of a process and I'd like to um, give it to you. So it's face up to that behavior. It's actually just face up to it and own it and take responsibility. Stop lying to yourself and to those around you. Confess it and be accountable and get some counsel and help, both from the Holy Spirit and from others if you need to. And then be obedient to what God says in his word about that. So it's a bit of a process, but it takes ownership. It says, yep, I've got a problem. Something's going on in my life and I don't like it and I need to change. So that's where it begins. So the first thing is we need to turn to God. The second thing is 
We've got to share 100% of our life with people. Okay. You hear the word accountability, accountability tossed around a fair bit. Okay. Sharing our problems or confessing our secrets with others can be really difficult. Opening our lives up to God and a few other selected people can be extremely painful and humbling. But the word of God tells us this. In James 5.16 it says, Therefore confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. But you know what? It can be really tempting to run from your pain and your problems and disappear into the addiction. Just for a moment, think of someone maybe you know in your life, in your family, in your past, wherever, that has done exactly that. They've run from the pain. The pain's become so hard, they've just disappeared into the addiction where you can escape. You don't have to deal with things when stuff's, when you're going into something, when you're drinking yourself into oblivion or you're taking that drug or whatever it is that takes the pain away. Or you're looking at all those images that are making you feel so good about yourself. You don't have to think about anything else. Just that feeling that comes from that addiction. Really easy to escape. But however, I think if you can find that you are able to find somebody and confess and get real with someone, then the problem comes from darkness into light. And then God can really begin the work of restoration and healing. The more you allow the addiction to control you, the more it demands from you. And the stronghold on it has to be broken, whatever that is in your life. So that accountability word, yes, I'm accountable to people. I talk to people all the time. And especially in church circles, have you got your accountability partner? Yes, I have. That's great. And we need that. For one moment, I wouldn't make a joke of that. We need people in our world that we can be honest with, that keep us on track. When we're struggling with things in life, we need to be able to talk to someone. But I think the problem is a lot of people only share 90% of themselves with somebody else. That's the easy part. Yeah, I'm doing it a bit tough. Yeah, yeah, things aren't real great. Yeah, it's okay, but I'll be right. There's that 10% that's got a hold on your life, that's that thing that's so stuck down in here, you know if it's you or if it's someone else close to you, you know what it is, that thing that you wouldn't want anybody else to know. God already knows. But I encourage you, find somebody that you can share that last 10% with. And when it comes out, that's when it comes into the light. That's when it begins to be able to let God do his work in there. And it's hard being honest with somebody, to trust somebody that much with your life that you are going to share that deepest, darkest part of you. But I think there is somebody there for each of us. And if you don't know who that person is, well, ask God to bring someone into your life that you can trust with your life. And that will be amazing. Because I've in church circles, like I've heard some horrid stories. Luckily, I haven't had it really, really close, but um, pastors have fallen and pastors that I've known of, even in our own denomination, you know, one's come down with, um, you know, a, a pornography addiction has been exposed, another one was having an affair with somebody and I look at them and I think, well, how can that be? 
they were accountable. They had their elders. They had their leaders. They had people around them. Well, they obviously weren't being honest with that last 10%. They were sharing the 90, yes, maybe the struggle, but they didn't give that last little bit. Okay, so it's the last little bit, the honesty that says, yep, I have a problem. And so for accountability to be effective, you've got to have someone that can share, you can share that really deep part of you with. But there needs to be acceptance. So if you're that person that someone is going to come and share with you, you need to have that acceptance and not be judgmental in any way and you need to be able to keep their confidence or someone will not share that last little bit with you, okay? They need to know that what they've shared will stay with you and not be talked about with others. That's the last thing anybody wants is to share something with you and then hear it being talked about, you know, wherever at school or in the youth group or whatever it may be. But then, of course, there has to be a plan of action taken to ensure that they stay on the right path because ultimately you want to lead someone to freedom and victory over that behavior or that addiction, okay? So have a think. Who is that person? Do I have someone in my life that I could be really that honest with? And as I said, if you haven't, maybe just pray that God might show you somebody. Or if you know someone that's really struggling, maybe you could be that person for someone else and encourage them to share that last little bit. Okay, so we've got God first up here, sharing all of our life, the whole 100% with someone if we're struggling. And the third one is there's a fight for freedom. It doesn't come easy, but it starts with being determined to change. If you want to get free from some of the stuff that's got you walled in and got you trapped, you've got to change. You've got to change the way you do things. And change can be hard. It can be really, really hard. And so hard, I think, that some people give up and just say, I can't do it. But that first thing is, is facing up and owning up behavior. That's just the beginning, okay? Facing up to it. Yes, I am an alcoholic. Yes, I am addicted to pornography. Yes, I have a problem with gambling. Yes, I'm a binge eater. Yes, I'm addicted to video gaming. I'm addicted to shopping that I, so much that I get my family into financial trouble, whatever else it is that makes you feel good. Because that's what it is. That's the truth of it. Something makes you feel really good, and that's why you do it. That's the payoff. If it didn't make you feel good, you probably wouldn't do it, and you wouldn't keep doing it. But there's a high. There's something involved with that thing that's got you in its grip because it makes you feel good. So own up to it. Say, yep, that's me. I have a problem. Next, you need to stop making excuses or blaming others for your behavior. Oh, it's just my personality. I've got an addictive personality. Well, maybe you do, but it's still just an excuse. It's because of my upbringing. Yep, you probably did have a tough upbringing, and I'm, I'm really sorry that that happened to you, but it's not an excuse to stay caught up in this addiction. I just can't stop. I've tried before. I've tried so many times. That's okay. Try again. Give it another shot. Keep at it. Everyone else is doing it, so it's not that bad. Well, they might be doing it, but it is bad. If it's bad, 
for you and it's probably bad for those around you as well. Okay, so face up and own it. Stop making excuses or blaming others. And then you actually have to stop the behavior, even if it's really hard. You've got to deny the flesh what it's used to because it's loving it. It's loving that drink. It's loving those images. It's loving whatever it is that you are feeding that flesh with. It might be the high from the drug or the poker machines, just that one more bet. It's loving it. Your flesh is loving it. Um, The porn images, the gaming, the high you get when you get into those video games with everybody else. It's so good. But it's painful to go through the withdrawal to get away from it as well. But remember, it can be more painful to stay walled in by the power of that than it is to get out. It's your choice. And Jesus is speaking here in this scripture to his disciples when he says in Matthew 26, 41, he says, Watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. He knows. He knows what it's like. We're human. We're all human. And it is. We're weak. And that's where we need our strength. We need the strength from God. And he says this. He suggests they pray. And what a great idea that is. Pray to the Holy Spirit to strengthen you in this time of weakness. Ask others to pray for you. Ask them to intercede for you till you get your breakthrough. Don't stop praying until you get it. Ask the hell Holy Spirit to grow you in the fruit of self-control. I think out of all the fruits of the Holy Spirit, the self-control one is the one that sometimes is lacking when we are entering into things that we shouldn't be doing. Okay? Some of us can pull it back. Some of us can't. It's just hard. Um, But I believe also it can be a spiritual battle to get free of some of our addictions. I really do. I think our enemy would love to see us bound up, caught up in all this stuff, crippled in our relationships, stunted in our emotional and our spiritual maturity. He'd love to see you stay walled in, absolutely useless in the kingdom of God because this thing has such a grip on you. You cannot do what God wants you to do if this thing has a hold on you. So, of course, he would love you to stay in that place because he's not threatened by you. Imagine if you can get free from that thing that holds you, grab hold of what God has for you, and be launched into the kingdom of God. He would be shaking at the knees. So he thinks it's great. You just stay right where you are in that addiction, cut off from the abundance and the freedom that Jesus promises us. Okay, but you can fight. You can do it, and you can help somebody else do it. But you have to be able to tear down that wall that you've been hiding behind and begin to build a bridge, a pathway to God and to others in your world. When you give in to them temptation in any of these behaviors, you are following the desires of the flesh rather than the desires of the Spirit of God. Sin follows the flesh and gets you in deeper and deeper into trouble and turmoil. And sin can be addictive. How do you like that one? Sin can be addictive. Somewhere along the journey, I think once you've faced it and you realize, yep, got a problem, I need to change, I'm going to do this, I'm going to stop, you might need to repent. You might need to ask God for forgiveness. I'm so sorry, God, I have got myself into this thing and I'm so trapped. Um, And then turn around and allow the Holy Spirit to lead you the other way. Allow him to correct you and guide you and place place your feet firmly on the path. 
And you might also need to ask forgiveness of other people. It might be your family. If there's something been going on in your world that you have felt has started to destroy something in your family, maybe you need to ask for forgiveness there before you can move on. And if you fail and slip back into your old ways, don't give up. Just try again. Put it behind you. Get up and try again. Don't give in to this thing. It can sometimes take a few goes. I know with alcoholics and drug addicts, they go to rehab. They get their lives on track and then they fall over and they go again. If that's one of you, if you're like that or this thing that's in the way for you, just give it another go. Don't give up. Just keep on trying, keep on trying, keep on trying, keep on trying, keep on trying. <laughs> okay. So once you've determined to change, there's one other thing I think you probably need to do is replace. Change your thinking patterns. The walls we've been talking about are those thinking patterns that are wrong somehow. And Romans 12, 2, Paul tells us, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of our mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing and perfect will. So we've got to change our thinking patterns. So how do you do that? You've got to learn to stop the thoughts in their tracks. Okay, you might, if you've got an addictive behavior going on, you're already starting to think about it. It's starting to control you. You're seeing an image and it's like it's getting the whole process going and going. You actually have to even put that word stop in there somewhere. Stop the thoughts. Stop the thinking. Talk to yourself, okay? Because your brain's already talking to you. You have to stop it. Even if you're on your own, it might, you might sound a bit crazy if you're out in public and you kind of go, stop. I might all look around. But if you're at home and that thought's coming, you can feel the temptation coming. You've just got to go stop right there. Stop that thought. Take it captive, okay? But then, um, as Joyce Meyer says, you've got to love her when she teaches about the battlefield of the mind. An empty place is still a place, she says. So you can stop the thought, but then you have to replace it. Okay, you can stop the thought, but there's an empty space there. And if you just leave the empty space there, that thought is just going to keep coming back at you. Okay, so you've got to stop the thought and then you need to replace it. So this is when you need to know what the scripture says. You need to know what the word of God says. Okay, so when you're struggling, you know, you can start talking to yourself. You can start preaching to yourself, basically, that says God's grace is sufficient for me. His power is made perfect in my weakness. When I'm weak, then I'm strong because God is with me. Greater is he that is within me than he that is in the world. Okay, the tempter might be out there tempting you, but he's not as strong as the Spirit of God who is inside you. These are the things you need to stand on. I've just written these down this morning. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. When you think you can't do it, when you think you can't get up one more time, and have another go. I can. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. The Lord is my strength and my shield. My heart trusts in him and I am helped. Psalm 28. He is my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. I am more than a conqueror through Christ who loves me. If you don't know the scriptures, if you don't know the word of God, if they're not down in here, you can't bring them out when you're tempted. And when you're struggling, we sing songs about God being an anchor to our soul and to our spirit. But you've got to build it up. You've got to have enough in here. So when the times are tough 
and you're in those situations where you're tempted, you're going to look at that thing just one more time. You need to start battling in your spirit. Okay? That's how you win. That's how you win. Sorry, I'm getting really passionate, but I just believe it. I think it's the only way we're going to break free of some of this stuff. And you've got to obey the word of God. There's no point knowing it if we don't obey it. Okay? So read the word of God. Get with someone that can teach you. If you don't know anything about the Bible, I don't know, half of it, three quarters of it. Um, get with someone that can teach you. You young people, just get alongside people that can just show you a little bit more about what God says about different things. And then we've got to make changes in the way you do life. Get rid of material that you're tempted with, other things that will trip you up. If you've got grog in your house and you struggle, get rid of it. You know, those images on your computer, get rid of them. Set up true 100% accountability with someone you trust. Change your friends if necessary. If you're hanging around, especially you young ones, if you're hanging around with a bunch of friends and you feel like you're always being tempted to do the wrong thing or be led somewhere, get rid of them. Don't hang with them. Make some really smart choices in your life. And then if you're stuck, get help, get counsel. Sometimes we can pull through these things ourselves. Sometimes we can't. And there's people out there that can help you. The Holy Spirit is right there with you. But even then, sometimes you need a professional that might be able to help you really dig down deep and work through some of your stuff. I think preventing some of these addictions can start with a healthy home life. I've really sort of had a bit of a think about this. And I think when we can raise children in an environment where they're loved and respected and disciplined and raised by sensitive, concerned, stable parents, there's a bigger opportunity for them to grow up healthy and mature and less likely to abuse substances and whatever. But it's not always a guarantee. Believe me, it's not a guarantee. But when you can meet the emotional needs of your family at home and help your children learn to cope with stress, and when they're taught a clear set of values, you are setting them up with a greater sense of security and self-esteem and an ability to handle problems without possibly leaning on alcohol or drugs, okay? But we can only help our kids, parents, if we are free from these addictions ourselves. We have to be the best role model for our kids. So it's no point telling your kids, ah, you shouldn't drink if you're an alcoholic or don't touch Touch those drugs if you light up a, a joint every night. You know, I'm being facetious. But it's true. It's true. Don't tell your kids to do something that you are doing yourself. Be wary of how much our role as parents is in leading our kids into those places. They learn by what they see, kids. They're watching all the time. So be careful of your own habits and behaviours influencing those kids. Teach your kids about the harmful effects of addictions. Talk about it with your children. They need to know these things. It's don't expect the school or even Chris and the youth leaders to do your job. They will help you. The school will help you. But do you know what? It's our job as parents to talk about some of the issues with our kids, to be transparent, to be open, to be honest, to teach them about some life issues. Don't expect them just to know what to do, okay? Let's set them up for success, not for failure. Let's teach them some coping skills to cope with life and really be open 
and how to deal with stress. So when they grow up and they're stressed, they're not going to reach for, the, for more and more grog or whatever it is to make them feel good about themselves. Let's help them learn how to deal with stress. And if we don't know how, let's learn ourselves first. That would be a really good thing to actually learn ourselves. Um, help them resist peer pressure. I think for young people of today, peer pressure is such a big thing. It always has been, but I think even now it's even more. Talk to them about body image. Talk to them about what it's like to fit in with a crowd, the pressure to succeed. Let them know they're loved and accepted just the way God created them to be. But you know what? We can do all this and our kids will still trip up along the way. And I speak firsthand from a parent that we thought we did all the right things with our kids, <laughs> did our best. And most of you know that one of our, well, one of our sons, I've only got one, um, one of our children, our son, had a, a, a dreadful journey a number of years ago with um, the whole addictive thing. And, um, you know, we did our best with him. But he was struggling, I think, with emotional pain. And he used alcohol and prescription drugs to try to numb the pain. That's what he was trying to do. Addictions almost destroyed his life and had the propensity to wreck those closest to him. It was probably the most painful time for us as a family. Um, but God intervened and turned his life around and he brought restoration. And that's what our God does. He brings restoration. He's now married and has a family and he's a psychiatrist who helps other people try to get through the struggles in their life. See, that's the power of a transforming God who can get hold of a life, save a life. Without God, I doubt very much whether he would even be with us today. So it's a great story. So I know the pain of addictions. I know what it does to you. I know what it does to families. So don't take it lightly. Don't put up with it. Don't be walled in by this kind of stuff. And us as a church, we want to be a positive influence in our community. And the challenge for us, I think, is to love and accept people for who they are. They need to feel secure and capable so that their needs are met in a healthy way rather than by the unhealthy addictions. The church should be a place where people, hurting people can come to be made whole and transformed by the love of Christ. And the only way that's going to happen is we, the church, become as healthy and whole as we can so we can be here with open arms when God brings those people through the door that we can love them back to health with his love. That's what I think church is all about. So look, I'm just about done. So do you feel today that you've got anything in the way, whatever it is, I just want you to really consider it. Only you can do something about it. Is the Holy Spirit speaking to you? Have you felt his finger kind of just pushing maybe a few buttons today? Maybe today's the first time you've ever really seen it for what it is. But I want you to make the move today. I want you to take the first step to victory over this thing that's got control over you. But remember to do this, you've got to have your roots firmly in the unconditional live love of God. Everything else won't work, I don't think, until you be, get yourself right in God, accepting and loving yourself for who he's created you to be. 
then you can begin to recognize the behaviors, face up to them, take responsibility, confess them, repent, be accountable, all those things I talked about. But I'm going to finish up by reading you the prayer that Paul wrote to the Ephesian church. Straight out of the Word of God in Ephesians 3. So close your eyes, if you would, and I want you to just let these words soak over you. Paul says this, For this reason I kneel before the Father, from his whole family in heaven and on earth derives his name. I pray that out of his glorious riches he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the saints to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ and to know this love that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine according to his power that is at work within us, to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. Amen. Thanks for listening to the message today brought to you by Baylife Church. We hope the message leaves you feeling challenged and inspired to live out your Christian walk. Please tune in again for next week's message.